This is a News Radio 1440 podcast. Good evening, everybody, and thank you so much for being with us here on Tactics, where speech isn't violence, tolerance isn't love, and disagreement isn't hate. Thank you so much for being with us here on the show this evening, and as always on Wednesday, well, I mean, we do this every day, uh, we'll do something a little different on Wednesday. We try to focus on things of a more spiritual nature. Before we do that, though, we are going to give our daily coronavirus update very quickly, so let's go ahead and look at the latest from the Alabama Department of Public Health. Now, you'll see here uh, with the new statistics, Alabama currently has 18,554 confirmed cases, 231,297 tested, 651 deaths, and exactly 1,900 hospitalizations. So you may notice that we do have testing today, which is good because yesterday you may remember that the data actually was not there. They actually had a big blank where the data was supposed to be, and so that was a little bit frustrating. But we do have stats. We do have the numbers for you today, and we can say that it looks as though that was just some kind of, I don't know, rounding error or something, or they didn't get the data put in correctly. They, they were just launching a new site, so that's probably what that was about. Let's go ahead and look at some of the new cases. Now, if you'll go ahead and look at this, you'll notice that for the third day in a row, our new cases have been substantially down. And by the way, I won't rehash it because we talked a lot about this yesterday, but it appears as though we're following the same pattern as our neighbors, Florida and Georgia, who, when they originally started opening up, had a really big surge in new cases. And then right afterwards saw a giant drop in those cases. And it looks as though that is exactly what is happening here. We're even lower than we were yesterday. Sunday, you could sort of chalk that up to being a little bit of an outlier because we tend to have less new cases on Sunday regardless. But that's even more true looking at the stats today. So it looks as though we're doing much better, at least on that front. Only 200, in fact, exactly 200 new cases today, which suggests that we're, we're significantly below what was the quote-unquote the new normal before the shutdown ended, and so we were floating about at 250 new cases. Now we're even lower consistently for the past three days than what was considered the new normal back before the shutdowns ended. So very good news. We're doing extremely well this week on keeping our new cases to a minimum. And like I've said for a long time, the fact that the cases increased, and we haven't seen that this week, but last week, the, the fact that we had a big uh, increase in cases, that's perfectly fine as long as we do not have an increase in hospitalizations and deaths that follow. As long as that does not coincide, really, even if there is increased hospitalizations, as long as it's on the system, that's okay too. As long as we don't have deaths, that's the main thing. And despite all of the spikes that we saw over really the past two weeks, we never saw an increase in deaths. And we'll get to that in a second. But now it looks like even our new cases are not going up. Let's go ahead and take a look at the new testing in the state of Alabama. You may recall that we had no testing yesterday. It just, I guess, wasn't reported or something. But you can see now that today we had actually above average numbers of testing, when you span that out over the course of about three days, 
it's really not above average. It's actually somewhat mediocre, probably a little bit below average when you space it out over the past three days where we had virtually no testing. But it's still good that we had some. And as I've said for a while, part of the reason you may not have a ton of new testing is because you're not having new cases and thus not having new people that have symptoms and think that they need to get tested. So it's hard to really gauge whether or not the numbers are good or bad because the fact that we are actually down in testing may be a good sign because if that coincides with the rates that we've seen from our new cases, it probably just means that less people are getting sick and thus not opting to get the test. That seems to be the most likely explanation for why that is going on. So let's go ahead and look at the new hospitalizations for today. You can see the hospitalizations there, and you'll notice that we are down yet again. We were down a little bit, and, and we're still significantly below average on hospitalizations this week. So, so far, this has been a really, really good week for the state of Alabama in terms of of numbers and stats. We only had 21 new hospitalizations today. That is two down from the 23 from yesterday. And granted, we probably saw a bit of a dip. You'll see there that on Sunday we had very few. I think we only had like two or three. But on Sunday we had a little bit of a dip, which you could chalk up to the weekend because again, it seems to be not as bad on the weekend. But if you look at the three days prior to that, even they were below average. And so we've been on uh, significantly below average, we've been under 30 hospitalizations, or sorry, floating around 30 hospitalizations. I think we actually had 32 on Thursday. But we, we've been floating around that 30 mark for a while, and now we're even significantly below that, getting almost below 20 today. So that's a really good sign. Let's go ahead and look at the most important stat that we have, the new deaths per day, and, and the one that is going to be most indicative of how we are doing so you'll notice that last week we had a really big day on Saturday, which is very odd considering that usually deaths don't happen in large rates on Saturdays. Again, I've never have been able to figure out exactly why that is. That's just how things go. But the deaths have been down on Sunday and, the t and Monday and Tuesday. So today we actually had only two new deaths. So, I mean, on deaths, we're actually low on our seven-day averages. We're, we're low on our 14-day averages. And so there's no question that the state of Alabama is definitely moving in the right direction. The death has never been horrible, but now we're moving into the point to where it's so small, it's virtually insignificant, which is really, really good. That is definitely where we want to be. Obviously, it'd be better to have no deaths thing, but when it's statistically insignificant like that, then you're probably dealing with deaths that may or may not even be due completely to COVID-19. In other words, there were probably a lot of other factors that went into the fatality of the virus, which means that it's even more safe for people to go out, go about their lives, get back to some normalcy. So all around, just a fantastic week. We're looking really, really good on the numbers. And hopefully that means that we are going to get a sense of normalcy coming very soon, which I'm looking forward to, I mean, I had a, had a slice of pizza for the first time in like three months the other day. So definitely looking forward to some level of normalcy. And I, and I had to eat frozen pizza. It wasn't even restaurant pizza. And, and I, I ate at the, a restaurant for the first time this week in about three months as well. And so believe me, there's nobody uh, more adamant to get back to a sense of normalcy than me. 
but it looks as though we are well on our way to doing this to the point where, and, and I've been doing these every single day for about three months, I'm contemplating just moving to a weekly update, maybe doing it just on Monday or just on Thursday. I haven't made that decision yet. I'll get back with y'all when, when I do, but honestly, I'm very seriously contemplating doing that. And this being the last week that we have a full week of coronavirus updates, because the numbers are just getting inconsequential, which is really, really good. That's a good sign. But unfortunately, what is not inconsequential, and, and this does relate to the coronavirus as well, is the handling of many, many people on the left when it comes to their treatment of the virus and how serious it is and how dangerous it is when it's something that they may politically agree with or they think that could politi politically benefit them versus when it's something that they don't like or have some animosity towards. And there have been several examples of this, and, and I am going to do a comparison here because the media and the left's treatment of the pandemic and how dangerous it is and how serious we have to take it has been incredibly heavy-handed on things like business and especially churches. I've even been critical of our own governor here in Ruby Red, Alabama for being ridiculously overbearing when it comes to worship services. And by the way, I, I've said this a thousand times on the show, I'm just going to reiterate it one more time. Just because I believe that the state does not have the right to tell a church to shut down doesn't mean I don't think the churches should at least explore other options for engaging in worship. My own congregation, and I support this decision from my elders, decided pretty early on to go ahead and cancel services, and we have not reopened yet. To this day, we have not reopened. We're not going to, unless the elders change their mind, they're not going to fully reopen even by Sunday. And so even though the restrictions have been lifted, especially because my congregation has a lot of elderly people, like a lot of congregations, because of that, the decision doesn't necessarily fit the fact, or the decision doesn't necessarily have to be you should open churches. I just think that decision should be left up to the churches to make. Well, the mayor of New York City continues to say, no, you can't open up and you, can't re you cannot worship you cannot have more than 10 people in a place together in a place of worship. Bill de Blasio, and, and this is what he has been, this has been his shtick for the past several months. He has such an animosity towards the Judeo-Christian worldview, and it comes across in his policy decisions. It's bad enough. I don't think that it would be a good thing for somebody that is hostile towards Christianity or the Jewish faith and, and the Jewish worldview of having one single universal God, that kind of thing. He's just a, I don't think that he's like a Muslim or anything, but I do think he is a very committed secularist. I think that he believes that religion on a whole is a negative, that it's not a good thing, that if there is anything that could be used to curb the mission of the church or the mission well, there's not really a mission from the Jews. They're not really called to convert people. They just kind of are there. Uh, and that that's just part of their theology, and that's fine. Uh, I think they're, you know, missing the most important part of their religion, which is the fulfillment of the Jewish law in, in Jesus Christ, but nonetheless, uh, no reason on chasing that rabbit right this second. When it comes to Bill de Blasio, though, he despises the Judeo-Christian ethic, and it comes across in the decisions that he makes as the mayor of New York City, and to illustrate this, there was somebody that actually asked him a question the other day about, 
why does it seem like there are two sets of rules? There's rules for normal people who want to open their business. There's rules for people who want to go to church and worship. And then it seems like there's a whole other different set of rules for the people that are protesting and you've recommended that they go home and, and not protest. But you actually made it a law that they couldn't gather, uh, that people in, in churches and, and people that wanted to open their small businesses couldn't gather and, and couldn't open back up. So why is it you're super heavy-handed on churches and small businesses, but when it comes to the protesters, you basically just said, well, please don't, but, you know, whatever. And this is also a man, keep in mind, that said and, and tweeted out and made a public statement saying that he was proud that his own daughter got arrested in one of the protests. Now, I don't know all the details surrounding that. I didn't have time to study and look it up. I don't know if she was actually breaking the law. Uh, I tend to find it hard to believe that the New York City police would just arrest her for no reason. I, it's possible, but again, I don't know the details on that. But here's Bill de Blasio answering that question when someone asked him, "Say, why, why does it seem like there's two sets of rules here? While you recommended that protesters stay home, uh, for others in the city, you've enforced gathering bans, uh, not recommendations. The retail store owner has been closed for two months and is experiencing financial ruins, been banned from opening his store. People from whom attending houses of worship are a regular part of life have been banned from doing so with more than 10 people. Now, you've expressed solidarity with this particular protest cause. Is that why it's been given dispensation uh, to disregard all pandemic guidelines? I know you were asked about this yesterday, and you said there's such pain and anger, and you don't want people to hear that as you're not hearing their concerns. What about the retail store owner facing imminent financial ruin or the religious person who can't attend the house of worship? What about their pain and anger? So, Mr. Mayor, are we in a pandemic or not? And do we have one set of rules for protesters and another for everyone else? When you see a nation, an entire nation, simultaneously grappling with an extraordinary crisis seated in 400 years of American racism, I'm sorry, that is not the same question as the understandably aggrieved store owner or the devout religious person who wants to go back to services. This is something that's not about which side of the spectrum you're on. It's about a deep, deep American crisis. We have never seen anything quite like what we've seen in the last few days. This is a powerful, painful historical moment. So Bill de Blasio basically saying, well, we do have two separate rules for protesters. We do have two separate rules for people going out and protesting and people in churches. But the thing is, it's different. They're not the same thing. There is a difference here. Well, no, the virus, that is astounding to me. This is the smartest virus we have ever dealt with. Because first we were told that the virus can tell the difference in Home Depot and Lowe's and your local hardware store. And apparently the virus can tell the difference in Walmart and Publix and your local small town grocer or your regular stores that, that don't sell groceries or, or whatever, but that are, are retail establishments. Apparently, the virus knows that it, it can't spread in those locations, but it can spread in small businesses. And we we're also told that the virus apparently just spreads like wildfire in churches, but the virus can't spread it at Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart. And now we're told essentially that it, it's very different with the protesters, because it, it can't spread in a protest. I mean, it'll definitely spread in a church, but it, it can't spread in a protest. This is one of the most insane things that I've ever seen. He's saying, well, basically, 
because he's not making that case, although that would seem to be the logical conclusion of what he's saying there. Because if his rationale is, we can't open up churches because it's too dangerous, but having people gather in protest, that's not dangerous, apparently. But here's the real issue with the core of this, because I think that this is a more accurate reading of what he's trying to say. Because he says that, well, there's, it's just such a unique time in American history. There's so much pain going on. It, it's a unique situation, and because of that, we're allowing that to carry on. First of all, the I don't want to get into exactly the whole back and forth between the riots and the protests, because of course the, the riots are wrong, but it seems as though a lot of these leftist governors and, and leftist mayors are uh, not really taking a whole lot of heavy-handed approaches to the rioters or not really going out of their way to stop them. But what is interesting in all of this is that they've basically said you, you can't gather together in a church, in a place of worship, and you can't go to your local small business because the, the virus is out there and, and we have to save lives. This is the response that has been adopted by virtually everybody. But when it comes to a protest, well, the thing is, if we crack down on those, that might reflect badly on us politically, considering that those are, you know, it's a cause that our people are sympathetic to. It's a cause that our base is sympathetic to. And so we can't crack down on those. And so we have to come up with some kind of cockamamie story about how it's just such a uniquely painful time that it's justified. So let me understand this. Church, which is the first thing that is listed in the First Amendment, non-essential, we can do away with that because it's just too darn dangerous. Protesting, by the way, also a right in the First Amendment. It's not the first one, but it's, uh, it's listed directly after freedom of religion. Well, that one, we, we just have to give them a wide berth. And by the way, if it breaks out into riots and not peaceful protests, because by the way, remember that peaceable assembly is the wording of the Constitution. So the second that somebody smashes in a store window, the second that somebody assaults someone, it's no longer a peaceful assembly and thus loses its constitutional protection. But nonetheless, without delving too deep into that, that is an essential thing that we have to protect and we have to just kind of let them do what they want because it's just such a uniquely painful thing. Well, do you think that not being able to, to see your relatives, if they're older, having that's not painful and that's not something that people are going to need church for? Besides, here's the thing, you don't get to make that decision. That's the issue that I really have with this. Mayor de Blasio, that is not your call to make. And here's the reason that it's not. This is the reason that people aren't supposed to be arbitrarily able to just take away a person's rights. Because maybe de Blasio's perception is that it is incredibly painful and it's a unique time in American history. But other people's perception might be that, well, it's really not. Uh, but church, you know, that's super essential. And so uh, let's say that it were somebody like a Mike Pence. And I don't think Mike Pence would do this. I'm just using him as a, a person that's seen as a very religious person on the right. Let's say that Mayor Mike Pence was the mayor of New York City and he decided... Well, yeah, look, church is absolutely essential, but protest, not really. They're both rights guaranteed by the First Amendment. And so, 
he just decides, you know what, we're going to continue to do church, but the second anybody tries to protest, the second anybody shows up that's a member of Black Lives Matter, well, the, the thing is, it's just too darn dangerous. We're in a pandemic, and so your rights get suspended. That's not how this works. The mayor shouldn't have the right to tell a person that they don't have the right to peaceable assembly, and they should also not have the right to tell them that they cannot exercise their religion. Both of those rights are protected under the First Amendment. That's how this works. Elected officials don't get to pick and choose which ones you're allowed to do. Now, the, the idea that this is just a uniquely painful moment in American history, and so you have to give them a, a wide berth, when it comes to that. So pain is, is the thing that justifies it, I take it. Well, one of the most painful things people can go through is a funeral. And I tend to recall that Mayor de Blasio, when there was a very large Jewish funeral going on for somebody that had been a leader in the Jewish community in New York City for a number of years, that he tweeted this out. So this is Mayor de Blasio's Twitter and you can see uh, my message, sorry, hang on a second. My message to the Jewish community and all communities is this simple. That Guys, I'm incredibly sorry here. Um, my monitor is messing up and I'm literally having to read it backwards. Give me a second. My message to the Jewish community and all communities is this simple. The time for warnings has passed. I have instructed the NYPD to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in large groups. This is about stopping this disease and saving lives, period. So, uh, evidently, Mayor Bill de Blasio gets to just choose on a whim what event is painful enough to merit the risk of coronavirus. That when it's a bunch of Jews gathering together to honor a fallen leader of their community, that's just not painful enough. And so we're going to go ahead and arrest everybody that was out there with that one. We're going to go ahead and disperse that gathering because this virus is too violent. By the way, that was back at the end of March. But a bunch of people can get out and loot and riot and burn things down and burn cars and smash windows. Those guys, we've got to just kind of take a step back on. And by the way, my daughter that was out there doing the same thing got arrested, and I applaud her for doing that. It's abundantly clear to anybody with a brain that there is a massive double standard here. And as one more piece of evidence to this, check out this clip of Mayor, Dil uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio on March 31st talking about churches and saying, if you do host a worship service, we will close you down permanently. Everyone has been instructed that if they see worship services going, uh, services going on, uh, they will go uh, to the officials of that congregation. They'll inform them they need to stop the services and disperse. If that does not happen, they will take additional action up to the point of uh, fines and potentially uh, closing the building permanently. It's just so abundantly political. Bill de Blasio has a disdain for Christians and a disdain for Jews, and he doesn't like the Judeo-Christian worldview, and so whenever they do something exercising their own constitutional rights, 
we're going to come down on them as hard as humanly possible. And we're even going to try to get the citizens of New York City to go around and snitch on their neighbors. And if they see anybody gathering in, in some kind of religious institution and in some kind of religious worship service, if, if people start seeing them gather, we, we want it to be like 1984, where the citizens are reporting on the people that are not complying with the law and let us know so that we can show up and disperse the crowd. That is Bill de Blasio's standard for people trying to participate in a religious ceremony. But to anybody that is going out there and protesting the, the George Floyd thing, then they have to be allowed to do that. Here's the thing. I don't really understand the purpose of the protest, to be perfectly honest. And I 100% sympathize, and I've said this on the air several times now, I, I mean, I don't know of anybody on the right that is even contesting whether or not the George Floyd thing was outrageous, that that cop ought to lose his job and also be charged legally. But here's the thing. All of that has happened. This is the thing that I don't understand about the protest. Because when it comes to this thing, George Floyd, that's the calling card, isn't it? Justice for George Floyd? Well, the cop that did that to him and, and killed him and leaned on his neck like that with his knee, uh, he's been fired. He is currently being charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter, uh, too, if I'm not mistaken. And virtually everybody agrees with that, with, with that decision. I don't know of anybody, right, left, whatever, and so they're going out and protest. Like, who... How do they think that justice is being misserved here? And I've protested a number of times. Like the, the March for Life, for example. If abortion were illegal in all 50 states, there'd be no reason for us to march. Like, if that were the case, there would be no reason for us to go out and, and do that. If, for example, with the Tea Party, which, I mean, is largely disbanded now for the most part, if what had happened with the Tea Party is that all of a sudden our taxes went down to like, I don't know, 5%, 10% per person, and we had a flat tax or a fair tax, and uh, our national debt were under control, the Tea Party would have no reason to march. I could go on and on with this all day. If it, the Second Amendment rally, if they had no restrictions on their firearms, they also would have no reason to march. Like The protest has to have a reason, and I can't figure out what this one's is. But apparently, despite that, Bill de Blasio is saying, well, they've got to be able to march. Which I don't think that he should stop them from marching. I just don't understand the difference. I was protesting myself. And granted, I was doing so more as a member of the media than a member of the, the group protesting, even though I believed with their cause. But I did that a couple months ago with the group Reopen Alabama. I was there with them. I was covering it as a member of the media, all of those things. And they tried to shut us down too. And I, I just don't understand the difference here. It really does blow my mind that that's what's going on here. But I, really with, with Bill de Blasio specifically, I think it's just he, he despises the Judeo-Christian worldview and, and always has. I mean, he's been a pretty vocal critic of it in the past. I think that that's the case with him, but he's not the only one. He's just the biggest example of it. There are Democrat mayors and Republican mayors 
that have adopted a very similar strategy. And here's the underlying problem that I think is really going on here. I think that this is the source, everything that we're seeing are the symptoms, the disease itself, the virus itself is rampant secularism. And this is something that is alive and well, not just in elected officials, but in the general populace and sadly also in the church. That we have taken it to a point to where, because the thing is, churches would not have stayed shut down for this long if church people were actually doing what they should have done, in my opinion. Because I have no problem with the church staying shut down until my elders decide that we need to open it back up again. Now, I do think that they would be in error if they went, you know, well beyond the limit. They would be actually uh, derelict of their their duty as elders. I don't think that it's reached that point yet. I think that there's, especially in the city where it's a hot zone right now, they're justified in doing so. But the fact that most people in the country, when they said, we're going to just close churches for a couple months, and everybody was just like, oh, that's fine. That disgusted me. And what really ticked me off is that there were actually Christians in the church that were saying, no, 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 the government should be mandating that all churches close. And I'm like, do you hear yourself right now? Do you understand the kind of precedent that this sets? And the argument that I made then is playing out right before us in New York City. That the reason that I was concerned about Christians just rolling over and saying, no, no, it's fine if the government wants to shut down churches for a little while. That's okay with us. The argument that I made at the time is there are going to be people that are openly hostile towards Christianity that just decide, yeah, we just don't need to do church in the city anymore. Church is just too dangerous. Well, Bill de Blasio opening up the city to a political cause that he is sympathetic to, but saying, no, we, we still can't have churches. We, we still can't go to worship. That's not going to happen in the city. It's just too dangerous, too risky. And he's basically admitting that it is a completely subjective standard that just, well, you know, I perceive that there is some kind of pain and suffering here, and this is a cause that I resonate with, so we're going to allow that one to happen. All the churches and the businesses that I disagree with, that one has to stay shut. This is exactly what I warned people about. And I'm afraid that in the future, this precedent is going to be used again to where a mayor or a governor or whatever can see a particular religious group that is teaching something that they don't like and just, okay, let's go ahead and shut them down. They're just too darn dangerous. Secularism has taken root inside the church, and that's where it's most dangerous. The idea that the highest power is the government. See, in Bill de Blasio's mind, politics is religion, and that's why a protest is more important than church. Because government is his God. And if government is his God, then protest would be kind of like a form of worship. And that's why to him, that takes precedence. And sadly, this kind of secularism, it's not this bad as Bill de Blasio is in most of the churches in America, but there were an awful lot of them that just decided, well, sorry, government says we can't do it. Okay, we're, we're good with that. I mean, I'm for being obedient and living in peace as much as humanly possible. That's a biblical principle. But when someone is telling you you're not allowed to worship God, you got to draw the line there, I would think. Ultimately, 
ultimately, if we allow ourselves to go down this road where we see earthly powers as the highest authority, where we see that which is taking place here in this world as, for example, with the government being able to feed people, clothe them, educate them, teach them what is right from wrong, be able to make decisions on things like family planning, health, parenting, all of those things, then we have essentially put government in the place of God, which is exactly what a secularist does. And I'm terrified that a lot of people in the church have advocated God's throne in their heart to the world. Stay the course, friends. Tactics with Caleb Colquitt. Only on News Radio 1440 and NewsRadio1440.com.